either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Christmas week, actually Christmas Day. Always a big time for movies, and boy, this year, no exception. Some good ones to talk about. Welcome in. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we are from MadWolf.com. This is the Screening Room Podcast. Glad you're here. And we're going to start out with a charismatic New York City jeweler, always on the lookout for the next big score, who makes a series of high-stakes bets that could lead him to a windfall of a lifetime. Uncut Gems. You think I'm stupid, Howard? You and your whole family. I heard you've resurfaced your swimming pool. I, you know how that makes me feel? Never resurfaced anything. I don't life. know who said that. I told you about how things were going to go. You like the way things are going now? That's my family. Get the kids out of the house. You having a good time? Yes. This is me. This is how I win. Well, this one has been making a lot of headlines recently because of Adam Sandler. And it's a big surprise to a lot of people. Adam Sandler getting a lot of awards consideration. He's in the talk. We'll see if he gets there for the Oscars. But number one, he definitely deserves it. Yeah, and number two, this movie has a lot more to offer than just that. It really does. I would like to, I like to backtrack because Adam Sandler, for the most part, people just think of bad comedies. Right. I mean, you know, I've reviewed... A few good ones, but a lot of bad ones. A, a, a million. Like, it's a million <laughs> to one shot. And and the thing is that those are the those are the films he makes that make money, and so that's really what most people remember him for. But, yeah. you know, he was he was absolutely brilliant in Punch Drunk Love. Mm-hmm. He was perfect in that big, stupid blue suit. He was so <laughs> great, and that is, a, that is an absolutely brilliant movie. He was also good, and the movie wasn't as good, but he was very good in Spanglish. Spanglish, he was good. He was good. also good in Funny People. Right, and in Rain or Me. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, you know, he has done a handful of films where you can see that he has acting talent, but, but you, nothing like that. You this. can tell he has to be invested in it, mm-hmm. and a good director mm-hmm. always helps. Yeah. It, and it's just so, so often... Those comedies just seem like he doesn't care. He's he only cares to be having a good time by getting having as many of his together. friends around yeah. him. And he gives people like Rex Ryan an acting job. <laughs> and I'm thinking of that. Uh, who's my boy? Well, was right. it my, my my boy? Yeah, that's my boy. That's my, my boy. God, that was awful. But we're getting off the track. Right. Uncut Gems is great. And another reason that is great. He's great. But as you said, that's not the only reason. Another uh, the writer director team, the Safdie brothers. Oh yeah. Who um, Benny I don't, and Josh? Yeah, and they made uh, about two years ago. I think they made Good Time with Robert Pattinson, which was absolutely amazing. And a couple years before that, a, another really small one called Heaven Knows What. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caleb Blaine Jones and just great movies. And one of the things that these guys do, first of all, is they situate you in New York areas that you probably are not that familiar with, and then they make you root for an incredibly unlikable character. Yeah. Um, and in the first one, and heaven knows what, it's a, she's a heroin addict. And it was a fascinating take, a fascinating look at that life because they really immerse you in the lead character's life and they're making terrible choices <laughs> and you want them to do right, but you're so swept up in the adventure that is their life, which is a life unlike anything you know. And this one is probably, weirdly enough, this is probably the most mainstream 
of the three. But it's also, for me, as we've said leading up to this, it is a two-hour-long panic attack. It really is. It's set in the world of the, the New York City jewelry district, the Diamond District. And if what I've read is right, they they're, the, the Safties have a family history in that. Right. I think they're... they're An maybe uncle they're, who's or, a jeweler or, or something. Or, or something. I'm probably getting that wrong. Maybe a, maybe a father or grandfather or something like that. But anyway, they have a history with it. So they, they set it, the movie, in that area. And Howard, the lead character, played by Adam Sandler, has a store. He's got a jewelry store. But he's also got all... He's a compulsive gambler. He's got a, a family and a mistress. He's got all these other things going on. And from the minute the movie starts, he just... You cannot keep track of all the things he's got right. going. He's got deals. He's got bets. He's got other bets. He's got money laid down here that he has to go back and pay somebody else off with this and hoping that this score comes through and hoping that this bet comes through. And then Kevin Garnett comes into his store. He play, steals it. Playing himself. And Kevin he does Garnett steal is it. great. It just goes off the rails. And you are just grabbing your seat going, can I just get five minutes? I know. Just give me five minutes. He's he's, he's like a shark, and they, uh, you get the feeling that if he stops moving, he will die. <laughs> and it's really, in the beginning, you get, it's an interesting beginning, mm -hmm. because it it's set with the discovery in over in an African, Ethiopia, Ethiopia of this uncut gem. Right. Which This Ethiopian opal. Right. Which um, Howard has been trying to get his hands on for quite some time, and he gets it back to his store, and he's convinced it could be worth a million dollars or so. Right. And we're not going to... I can't even tell you all the plot points that come into this, no. but basketball star Kevin Garnett, and this is set back when he was playing for the Celtics, he becomes convinced that that uncut gem is the secret to him playing well. Right. And the, the Celtics doing well in the playoffs. And it just gets crazy as Howard loans him the gem, and then he leverages that with other people in his life, other bookies and uh, other small-time mobsters and his brother-in-law, who's also a small-time mo mobster. And it just goes on and on and on, building, 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 as he's trying to keep everybody happy and think up new stories. Every time he gets beaten up and thrown naked into the trunk of a car, <laughs> and that does happen at the at the sight of his one of his kids recitals right. and his wife played by Adina Menzel yeah. of all people has to come out and finds him naked in the trunk of a car and of course you know what she's really not that surprised <laughs> <laughs> because by this time she is utterly disgusted with yes. him yes she hates him his daughter hates him mm -hmm. and his only refuge i guess of his own making is his mistress who is played by Julia Fox and she has a very limited resume up to now and she's great she is so good and and but i mean the entire supporting cast is is really good and in very surprising ways you know Judd Hirsch pops up for a couple of scenes yeah. and and there are these guys who look like twins and you keep thinking they're going <laughs> to i mean they're just you know and uh the whole cast does such a great job of being surprising and fresh. Nobody plays a typical character. And then uh, the other one, which is so funny because he was just a couple of weeks ago in Knives Out, Lakeith Stanfield, who oh, yeah. also plays a very different, and he's he's kind of got a similar gig, right? He's pushing these um, sort of fake a, Rolexes. Right, he's sort of a connector. He, right. He brings, he brings high rollers, hopefully high rollers, like Kevin Garnett, yeah. into Howard's store. Right. So they kind of feed off each but other. But at the same time, he just looks at Howard oh, with just yeah. like dripping with contempt. Exactly. Uh, and it's and it's a great, it's a small part, but it's a great role. And again, it's like there are so many things going on in this person's life 
none of which almost all of it is alien to me Mm -hmm. right and so it's just fascinating to watch how really how adam sandler who is in every single scene he's basically never off screen how he except to the except for one brief couple of scenes where there's this insane man who reminds me of of Mickey that, Rourke, that like an guy. old man, Mickey Rourke. Oh my God! And anyway, his hair is a yeah. whole other thing. It's but anyway, whole, but the point is that that Sandler carries this movie with a performance that that in a lot of times is very Adam Sandler in that he's just he's just effortlessly likable. He's just like he just. You know, and he likes people, yeah. and he's interested in what you have to say, but it's just amped up to 11. Well, and what you said earlier about the other films by the Safdie brothers, they get you to root for this guy who is unlikable, and right. who has made many, many bad choices in his life, and that is Howard. Right. But not only do the Safties make you root for him, but Adam Sandler makes you root he for does. him because he makes him sympathetic, as crazy yeah. as that sounds. And actually, without giving anything away, it starts to make him sympathetic to some of the people around right. him. Who should, who not, should, who not, should be. not be rooting exactly. for him. But you can see it in their face. Yes. Like, this is going to go his way. And yeah, Or it's, is it? Yeah, I know. It's, 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 it's a surprisingly likable Yeah, it's such film. a ride. Such an incredible ride that just gets you from the first few minutes. And, and trust me, you were going to feel like you were on a ride. Let's stop. I want off of yeah. this yeah. Just, just for a little bit. Yeah. Can I we need just, to can catch we all, my breath. Right. Can we just close our eyes and calm down <laughs> for a minute? And here's the thing. We've talked about before how the, the toughest category... This year for the awards, the awards season is best actor. Yes, it is stacked. Oh my we god! We just got the notification that our voting group, the uh, Columbus Film Critics Association, our our votes are due here in the next week. And I'll tell you what, as of right here, I think I'm going to vote for him. I think I we am gotta too. We got to narrow it down to five, right? And I think he's going to be on my final five. Oh, he's definitely on my final five. I think there's a good shot. And you know, and it's funny because we've had some arguments with a friend of ours who saw Joker. Mm-hmm. And I love Joaquin Phoenix. I can't believe Joaquin Phoenix doesn't have an Oscar yet. And he's absolutely spectacular in Joker, as yeah. to be honest, he always is. And right now, and it might be just, you know, recency bias, I think I have I think I have Sandler over um, I know. It's a close that it's a close tough. one, but it's That's funny. Tough. There are, I think that, that there are gonna be a based on our friend Jake, a lot of backlash. Because everybody saw Joker, and and of course, nothing to take anything away from Phoenix's his performance. It was absolutely amazing, but very a, a much smaller percentage of the population is going to see Uncut Gems. Mm-hmm. And I'm just saying, don't decide Sandler is getting a pass if you haven't seen this movie. Exactly, because at least for us, for our voting, we, we only have to do five at first, and then later we'll have to pick the ultimate winners. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he's going to be on my five. Oh, and that, no question. And that's saying a lot because it is such a stacked category this year. But he is great. The movie is great. Just be ready. <laughs> Just be ready because it is a breathless ride. But it's one that you'll be glad you took. And ultimately, one of the best movies of the year. And it's a good time to tell you that next week here in the screening room, we're going to be talking about our favorite movies. That's right. Of 2019. But we'll just tell you right now, Uncut Gems is going to be on there. No well, doubt. And we also, like, I want to give credit. We took Matt Weiner, one of our writers, with us to the screening. And he is a huge Safety Brothers fan, and we asked him to write the review, and he gave it five stars. So you can read that at MadWolf.com. Yeah, and uh, and see it. It's a great movie. The other big Christmas Day release this year, Four Sisters Come of Age in America in the Aftermath of the Civil War, the latest adaptation of Little Women. I'm working on a novel. It is a story of my life and my sisters. Make it short and spicy. And if the main character is a girl, make sure she's married by the end. Women, they have minds and they have souls as well as just hearts. I want to be great or nothing. 
and they've got ambition and they've got talent as well as just beauty. And I'm so sick of people saying that love is just all a woman is fit for. I'm so sick of it. There are some natures too lofty to bend. So who does she marry? Now, if you're like me, you might have said, really? Another adaptation of Little Women? When are we going to do Our Town again? I mean, we, <laughs> we through movie adaptations, TV adaptations, going to see our kids' adaptations mm-hmm. in school, we've seen this. But then you look at who's behind it, and it's writer-director Greta Gerwig. And I'll tell you, after seeing it, she does a masterful job of giving this a totally new perspective, and it's great. And, you know, one of the things that, I feel badly about is that I I feel like there's this sense that men don't want to see this movie and that there's going to be an argument to try to get whole families to go and people are tired of it. Nobody's going to just go see it. It is such a fresh perspective. There's there's no better cast assembled this year for anything. No, just run them down. You've got Saoirse Ronan, Timothy Chalamet, Florence Pugh, Laura Dern, Tracy Letts, Bob Odenkirk, even Chris Cooper shows up, Meryl F. Streep, Meryl Streep. shows up, and then, you've, as we said, Greta Gerwig, who proved her medal a couple of years ago with uh, Lady, Lady Bird. Lady Bird. And so here, it, it's interesting. First of all, that gives you a clue right there, because she's got, right now, she's got some clout yes. after Lady Bird, and what's the first thing she does? An adaptation of Little Women. I know. Now, that is... It, it probably goes to show how much she's had this in the back of her mind. Right. Because she's probably had the idea of how she wanted to approach it. And she really... One of the best things about it, the cast, yes, that's that's a given. But one of the best things I found was how it time jumps. Yes. It jumps around from scene to scene from when the girls are just young and giggly to then all of a sudden the next scene they're they're grown up and they're women and that requires not only some talent in the in the acting mm-hmm. to make both of those feel believable and they definitely do but to juggle that successfully as as a writer director is tough and she does it so, so skillfully. I, that was one of my favorite things about the movie. Yeah. No, she's wonderful. And one of the things that I think she does is, you know, you know, these characters have been around for, they've been kicking around for such a long time that you you just kind of feel like you already know them, but you really don't. And she clarifies that you really don't. You know, and she, and Saoirse Ronan gives Joe a, the same, that fiery, that fiery belly that she always has, but, but a lonesomeness mm-hmm. that comes from independence as a woman in that time period. And, um, you know, Lori is, is a much more nuanced character with Tim- Timothy Chalamet than I think we've ever seen before, yeah. even with Christian Bale. Yeah. You know, it's a, it, not just because Chalamet is so talented, but because the script is better. And of course, Florence Pugh, she owns, she is such a, not, so I don't want to say Pugh is a revelation because she was so great in Midsummer, mm-hmm. but with her in the role, Amy is a revelation because she was always just the bratty sister you couldn't stand. And in this version, for me anyway, she's almost a point of view character. She's yeah. the one that I felt I understood best for that, the first time ever. That might be the biggest thing. People who are very familiar with this story, the book, the adaptations, whatever, that might be the biggest surprise is that you don't just want to smack her face. Right. Uh, she makes her sympathetic. And it's hard to st- say that she steals the movie in the middle of all this talent, but she does a fantastic job and she really draws you into that character. And I know you're usually not a fan, but we forgot to mention Emma, Emma Watson, Watson, who's pretty dark. She, she's good. Not only that, she's massively popular, so we shouldn't forget to point out that she's in this movie. <laughs> yeah, but the the entire cast is is fantastic. And just the fresh 
The fresh coat of paint. Yeah. Really. I know that's a cliche and an easy thing to, to say, but it's so true. She every just... every frame just just to me just bursts of no, it this is this is a new one. Yeah. Okay. Energy, insight. I mean, you know, she doesn't you can tell that Greta Gerwig cherishes these characters. Enough to give them character. So Marmy isn't just a lovely, self-sacrificing, one-dimensional maternal character. There is some bitterness there that if you think about her life and take into perspective the entire sort of context of the, of the film... There would be. And the same with Aunt March. She's not just this horrible, (laughs) bitter old woman. She's She's, funny, too. Yeah, there's a Uh, world-weary wisdom that mm -hmm. that drives that. And, of course, Meryl Streep is clearly going to find the humanity inside of a character. And there's also, she she manages to find some, a a way to connect it to today. Yeah. uh, Without being... Without being silly about it, just a little bit coy, a little, just a tiny bit wink, wink, especially in the the uh, interactions between uh, Saoirse Ronan, right, and then and she's trying to sell her stories to Tracy Letts, yes, and who's from a magazine and and wants to buy them, but yet has some things he wants to see in those stories because he's sure. That he speaks for yeah. the entire population right. of potential readers. And that, I think, is an interesting, because it's clear to me that that Trisha Ronan, once again, kind of represents Greta Gerwig in this story. In this, so. you know, yeah. as she, Clearly, she did with Lady Bird. And probably what, what Greta Gerwig is used to running up against Do you think? in Hollywood <laughs> is a guy saying, well, yeah. that's not going to work because the audience doesn't want to see it. When yeah. all he's really saying is... I don't want to see it, and my assumption from birth is that everybody agrees with my perspective. And right. it, it, but it, and, but it, she does it in a way that isn't hateful at all. And especially at almost near the end of the film, their final conversation yes. is the best. Oh, yeah, chef's kiss. It was great. That is really her. That's when that, what you just said about it, really comes into play. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I know what, what she's saying here. So, yeah, it's just such a new, exciting uh, adaptation of this. And it really, it always, we've said it a million times it always comes back to writing. Yes. And, of course, this starts with Louisa May Alcott, obviously. Yeah. But then how someone is successfully able to adapt that. Mm-hmm. Because you can always give it a different look. Mm-hmm. You can always take something that uh, maybe doesn't sound like the greatest premise in the world. And if, you, if, if you've got the writing, you've got the, the building block of right. it. And you can make it work. And this definitely, definitely works. You know, we were talking about how tight the race is for Best Actor. Um, I, I feel like it's a it's a two-horse race for Best Adapted Screenplay this yeah. year. And I can't imagine a tougher race between Jojo Rabbit and Little Women. Yeah. Yeah, you, you did like Jojo Rabbit better than I did. Maybe it was a bad... I should probably go back and watch that because everybody... Watch does, it again, you mean? Yeah, watch it again. Everybody does seem to just love that. Yeah. And I liked it. But I would I've, right now, as we stand right here, I will take this over Jojo Rabbit. Mm. But maybe, maybe I can find the time to uh, to rewatch it because maybe I'm a bad day. Maybe I maybe something I day. ate. I don't know. But, uh, but <laughs> bad we both, kiwi. <laughs> it's a bad kiwi. But we both love the new Little Women. And there's one for the kids this Christmas season when the world's best spy is turned into a pigeon. He must rely on his nerdy tech officer to save the world. It's spies in disguise. I was the world's greatest spy. Look at your boy, Sleepy Night-Night. And then you turn me into a pigeon. You better unbird me right now. Technically, you kind of birded yourself. Oh, I heard this boy. There's a bad guy who needs to be stopped. And now I have to try to stop him while being a bird. Lucky for you, I'm your wingman. Wow. 
Let's get weird. Boom. This is the new one from 20th Century Fox and Blue Sky. They did the Ice Age movies. Sure. Uh, probably the most prominent one. And I'll tell you what, this is, among other things, maybe the biggest thing, it is a love letter to the science nerds. It is. Keep with that That's science, right. kids. You might save the world. That's right. Uh, you know, it's also it's also a film that, that says, you know, team weird. Like, be weird. Yep. And I love that. You know, who wants to be normal? Be weird. I love that. And it also has, I think, a very great message about how when you when you meet force with force, everybody gets hurt, mm-hmm. and there's a better way to do it. And so, uh, you know, yeah. there's a lot about it that I really enjoyed. It's not a great movie, no. but it's 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 funnier than I expected it to I, be. It's it has, enjoyable. It had some laughs, mm-hmm. and then we found out that it's based on a short film with the title Pigeon Impossible, which is so much which better. Which we love. <laughs> it's like back. Remember the Tom Cruise? Um, what was uh, Tomorrow? The Edge of Tomorrow. Right. And then you found out that the movie poster had a tagline of "Live, Die, Repeat." We're like. That's the title. That's the title what right there. Here? That should have been the title. But anyway. Not that Spies in Disguise is a bad title, but, but yeah, Pigeon, Pigeon Impossible. Impossible. It's fantastic. <laughs> so Will Smith is, of course, the world's greatest spy. And um, at his agency is this young tech nerd who, uh, who's voiced by Tom Holland. Right. And one thing leads to another, as they always do, and Will gets turned into a pigeon. He does. And, with a little bow tie. <laughs> Exactly right, because in his human form, uh, Will was always wearing a tuxedo. So he has to fight as a pigeon with this supervillain with a robotic hand uh, played by Ben Mendelsohn. And love. he's and the, dripping the, with villainy in his voice. I, I love Ben Mendelsohn so much. I'm always happy, like happy. Happiness yeah. fills me just the way yeah. it glittered, it would, if it would glitter. Um, because uh-huh. I love him. But the other thing we notice, I think, at the same time is that the, the character, the drawn character, actually looks just like Vincent Cassell. He does. <laughs> he really, really does. And this has some some interesting voice casting. Reba McIntyre plays the head of the spy agency. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's nothing against her. She's fine. You're just not used to hearing somebody with such a heavy southern accent Doing the head it was of the kind of spot. fun, actually. I enjoyed fun. that. Yeah. yeah, it is kind of fun. And then also working at the agency is Karen Gillan, uh, Karen Gillan and Rashida Jones. Mm-hmm. They're in there. So, you know, there's some fun, uh, identifiable voices, even if you have to think for a minute. Wait a minute. I know that voice. But you're right. It's fun. It's got some good messages for the kids. For, for the parents, it's not overly funny. There are some some things, some inside wink-wink jokes mm-hmm. that I laughed at a couple of times. Well, right, because uh, Tom Holland, he, he asked him, have you ever been to Venice? Yeah, yeah, and some of the and speaking of, once they get to Venice, I thought that's when the animation itself really started popping. Mm. Some of those water yeah. scenes yeah. and the waves and things. Wow, I thought this really looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, you have the fun of a, a super spy being a pigeon, and I think it's the way, little kids around us were laughing. They were, they really were. Yeah, they really were. So yeah, it's it's not one that's going to just blow the parents over. You know, like a Toy Story or something mm-hmm, like that, mm-hmm. or, or even a How to Train Your Dragon series. But there's certainly nothing wrong with it. You're right. The message is good, and it doesn't... I think the kids will pick up on it without maybe the slightly older kids rolling their eyes. Exactly. You know? No, I agree with you. Yeah. yeah. So overall, it's fun. Yeah. Overall, a, a pretty fun one for the family uh, this Christmas day, this Christmas season. Spies in disguise. And with that, let's go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Oh, I see some good things in the lobby. Oh, you ain't kidding, man. Holy moly, the lighthouse. Just go ahead and say it. (laughs) Why'd you spill your beans?
<laughs> it's uh, it is quite an experience. It is a horror movie. It's a thriller. It's gothic. It's weird. It features two fantastic performances. Absolutely fantastic. Robert Pattinson and uh, Willem Dafoe. And it's these guys, these wikis. That's right. Uh, stuck inside a lighthouse. And it's Robert Eggers, the guy who did The Witch. Mm-hmm. So you know it's filmed and and constructed with utmost authenticity yep. for the time period. Yep. And it's it's fantastic. Yeah, we both loved it. It we is weird it. as hell. Weird. It's a Descent into Madness film. And I think you can read it as an outright comedy if you'd like to. And I mm-hmm. don't think you have to. So no. I don't think it's wrong either way. And it's a, nuts and is it, what it is. It also will help if you have a, a base knowledge of Greek mythology. Which that, we did not. And we, we enjoyed not, exactly. it quite well without we that. We found <laughs> it out later. But it will help you sort some things out. But love the lighthouse. Judy is out this week. Now, speaking of Oscar, I still think she... Even this, this seems to be maybe getting forgotten about a little bit but Renee Zellweger is flat out fantastic she is. as Judy Garland. Yeah, she really is. She, and and the story is um is really strong when it stays with with Renee Zellweger. When it does flash back to her youth, it gets a little bit heavy-handed. It's yeah, it not does. quite it loses the authenticity. I agree. Um but on the whole and this is not my area. I know. You know, (laughs) I didn't know who a lot of these people were and and you had to explain a lot of it to me because I'm not a big Judy Garland fan, but I thought the movie was fascinating. And I thought it it features one of the most touching scenes I've seen this year. It's a scene between Judy and a couple of her fans. Oh yeah, uh, it was lovely. Incredibly lovely. And with such a, a nice light touch, but yet Really makes makes a mark and uh, love that scene. But yeah, the overall movie is is good. It's not great. She is fantastic and also out this week. Oh, Bruce Springsteen. So you know we come to this not fair and not balanced. No, Western, Western stars. stars. His concert film is out and we loved it. It's it's a film where he just does his latest album. Yep, uh, Western Stars. It depends on how big of a Bruce fan you are. If if you you are a big Bruce fan, as we are, you know that this album is really unlike anything he's ever done. It's pretty much his homage to the 70s pop sound in California. Mm-hmm. You know, the uh, Jimmy Webbs, the Glenn Campbells, the things like that, even some Beach Boys in there, but that whole sound. Uh, so he does that album in a big barn, with, live mm-hmm. with an uh, orchestra and uh, some, some fans, friends and family. But it's the songs are punctuated by some little personal vignettes. Yeah, in between the songs are some filmed bits uh, where he just kind of muses on how we wrote the song or something about the song. And you see a lot of his own home movies uh, and then other uh, sort of, they, they look like home movies of the time period. And then there's other just these lovely stretches of him driving through the desert and a, and a lot of horses. And it's, it's really quite beautiful and poetic. Uh, and it's fascinating to hear Springsteen, now 70 years old, looking back on mm-hmm. this, you know, what it is that's, that's driven him as a songwriter all this time. Again, we, this movie was just custom made for the two of us. <laughs> you know, and if, you, if, you, if you're looking for, uh, a, you know, like a hits reel, that's, that's not what this movie no, is. He doesn't no play any in the of USA his hits. Here, no. No. no, but if you, um, you know, if you, if you like the album or if you're just a big Springsteen fan or you're just a music fan, I mean, yeah. I loved it. Yeah, I did too. It's, it's quite lovely. Looking ahead to next week, well, we've already told you next week we're going to run down our favorite films of the year. Now, we're putting the final touches on our written list, and we're going to go 25 on that, mm-hmm. which is going to be up at madwolf.com here soon. Uh, but we'll probably talk maybe in-depth about 
the top ten. Right. Do you think? Yeah. We'll we, I that. mean, we might run through some yeah. others real quickly yeah, yeah, yeah. just by title, but we'll but, see uh, how. And also, we have at least one big uh, mainstream release coming out next Fingers week. Fingers crossed. The Grudge. Yeah. So, yeah, a filmmaker that we really like, Nicholas Pesci, who did Eyes of My Mother, which was one of oh. my absolute favorite films, horror or otherwise, the year that it came out. Love it. And then he did Piercing last year. It's another weird one, another one unless we're seeing. And we are just interested in seeing what he can do with... The Grudge, which, Mm -hmm. of course, this, if you're not aware of it, this will be the third time the film's been made because it's originally a Japanese film. Yeah, so that's the big one next week. Might be some other limited release ones pop up between now and then. We will see. But until then, let us know what you thought of the big Christmas season, Christmas week releases. We always keep the conversation going. Easiest way to get a hold of us is on Twitter. We're at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. Of course, on Facebook and Instagram, it is Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website, as we just said, for all the written reviews and our other horror movie-only podcast, Fright Club, you can always find that at madwolf.com. So again, Merry Christmas. Thanks for stopping by the screening room. If you have a minute and you would, could you subscribe, rate, and review? That would be a happy Christmas present for us. <laughs> yes, it would. So until next week, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. Merry Christmas. Ho, 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 ho. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. <laughs>